I'm going to encourage you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to the Gospel according to Mark in chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 3 through 9. This is just days before our Lord would be hung upon the cross and bear our sins at Calvary. This is the story of Jesus anointed at Bethany. If you're physically able this morning, I encourage you to stand with me in honor and reverence of the reading of the Lord's Word today. Mark chapter 14, and we think today of decorate the day while there's time. Decorate the day while there's time. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denaria, almost a year's wage for a worker in that time. For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word today. You may be seated. If you will for a moment, put yourself in that room with your imagination. Here is Jesus in the room. And again, I think it is... uh, So wonderful that days before he would go to the cross of Calvary and pay the price for our justification, there he is in the house of friends eating. Other gospels tell us that Martha serving, Lazarus is there, that Jesus had just raised from the dead some short days before, and uh, and Mary is not only there, but the other gospel tells us that Mary is actually the one that performs this act. The disciples are there. They're in Simon the leper's house, and they're enjoying each other's company. No doubt, I picture in my mind, put yourself there. Martha's serving. Uh, Lazarus is telling about how Jesus brought him back from from the dead and telling that story of how others helped him remove the grave clothes and, and uh, the, the disciples are there. And then Mary comes in with this very costly perfume. She breaks the flask and begins to anoint the head of Jesus Christ. Now put yourself in there. And I was, as I was reading this week, the question came about in one book that asked the question, who would you be in the room? And, and I sat there for quite a few minutes thinking about who I am and my tendencies, and, and I was 
quite honest or tried to be as honest as I could. I know we'd all like to say, oh, I would be the one breaking the flask and anointing Jesus, and maybe we would. But in that moment, I had to be honest about imagining the room. And I believe I would have thought, here we are all having a good time. We're serving. We're with Jesus. We're listening to Lazarus. We're listening to Jesus. Happened. We're resting. And then here comes a woman that comes in and breaks the flask of this ointment and starts pouring it over the head of Jesus. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, when I put myself in that room and knowing how I act sometimes to things like that, I, I think it's a little over the top. Put yourself there, seriously. Don't act over spiritual. If you're in there rejoicing and having a good time with Jesus and listening to the story and here comes the woman breaking the flask and pouring it over the head of Jesus Christ, I think it's a little dramatic. Maybe even a little silly. Who would you be in that room? Would you be one thinking, what is she doing? Why does she have to do this now? We're just having a good time. We're having a good meal. Why this act? Who would you be in the room? And yet, when everyone else is criticizing her, they see what she's done, they see the act that she's broken the flash, she's pouring this extremely expensive oil ointment over the, the head of Jesus Christ. When everyone else is criticizing her, Mary, why are you doing this? Do we have to do this now? Why did you do that? Why did you waste that? That could have been sold and fed so many people. And Jesus says, Leave her alone. And you know, the theological point of this, of course, we know Jesus tells us. We don't have to guess what the point is of the story, that, that she was anointing him because he was about to die. And some people say that she did this act because uh, she was the only one listening, that what Jesus was saying, that he was going to Jerusalem to die. I don't know about that. We can't 100% confirm that. What we do know is this. Mary was a friend to Jesus, and Jesus was a friend to not only Mary, but her family. He had raised her brother just days before, and this I know, she loved him, and she wanted to honor him with what she had, and that's what she had. And she not only wanted to use what she had, but while she could. Was she one listening when Jesus is saying, I'm going to Jerusalem to die, and everybody else is ignoring that or, or not understanding that or, or not getting that, what Jesus is talking about? Did she get that? I don't know, but I do know this. She loved Jesus, and she wanted to honor him with what she had while she could. And because she did, her act would always be remembered. Jesus said that. She sincerely desired to honor the life that had blessed her life, that had changed her life forever. And here we read a story like this today, and we have to do something with it. We have to apply it, and we have to look at the act of Mary that other people criticized. Maybe people like me that tend to be a little cynical with uh, dramatic people. Her act causes us, or should cause us, to look at our life and, and look around at our life at what we've been given. 
and see what we're really doing with it in this time and space now. You see, the truth is that God has given you something that no one else can give like you. And one might ask, and he's given you that to bless him with, to honor him. But we don't actually put ourselves in that story too much because Jesus is not physically in front of us. And so we leave today, hopefully not, but we leave many times with, with a good thought of a good story. But we don't really take it to heart because we know we, just, we don't see Jesus physically like she did in that time. And so we forget the power of what she did many times or don't apply it. But remember, we read of what the Lord said in Matthew 25 and verses 35 through 45, because you might say, yeah, okay, I need to look around at my life and see what I've been given and see and evaluate how I'm spending my time with what God has given me. And I know I need to honor Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ is not here before me physically. But yet he is. He is based upon what Jesus taught in Matthew 25, 35 through 45. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, you did not visit me. And then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And so is Jesus, the God man, physically with us today? No, he is in heaven and he's coming back one day. But as we do it to the least of these, we are doing it to Jesus Christ. When we don't do good deeds to the least of these, we are not doing it. To honor Jesus Christ. A lot of people get wound up about spiritual gifts, and we should, but do we really remember what the spiritual gifts are for? First Peter 4.10, Peter writes, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Ephesians 4.8 reminds us that when Jesus Christ ascended, He gave gifts, spiritual gifts, to men and women through the Holy Spirit. You've been given as Christians not only spiritual gifts, if you're a child of God, sealed with the Holy Spirit, but you've also been given certain talents. And you've also been given certain resources that can only come from your life. 
I can't do or be what you what God's designed you to be and you cannot make. He's given us all spiritual gifts. And I think one of the greatest statements that reveals a lack of faith and distrust in Christ is when people say, I'm really not gifted. That's a lie from hell. If you believe the gospel, you have been gifted. And not only that, but you've been given certain talents, things you can do to serve others like no one else. Not only that, but you've been given certain resources that I do not have. And I have resources that you might not have. This was the point of the story. Mary gave what she had while she could to honor Jesus Christ before he went to the cross, before he would be placed in the tomb. So we must look at our life. And we must seek out our spiritual gifts. I used to be really kind of hard and old fuddy-duddy, I guess, about taking those spiritual gift tests. I used to think, well, if you just obey the Lord, um, then the gifts will come out. That is true. They didn't have spiritual gift testing in the first century that you could go online and take spiritual gift tests. But I've softened up a little bit, and uh, I think if they help some people see their gifting, then they can be useful and beneficial. I think we should seek out the gifts that God has placed in our life. Tori took a test at school a few weeks ago, and it was a test they were giving the kids about uh, how they're made, their demeanor, and things like that, and what they might be suited for in, in their careers. And she took that test, and she came home and told me, I said, you know what, just for, just for curiosity... Let's take a spiritual gift test. So that night at the house, she took a spiritual gift test. And it was amazing at how what the school had brought out as strengths or ways that she might be leaning towards in a career also matched some of her spiritual gifts. We need to seek out our spiritual gifts to be used by God. And we need to look at our resources. We need to look at our talents. And here's the thing, all we have to do is be the person that God has gifted you to be. That's all God's asking for you. He's not asking for you to be me or, or another person. He's asking you to be the person that He has gifted you to be. And beloved, I encourage you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you hear my voice anymore? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew you before the foundation of the world. He chose you. You are His beloved. And He has gifted you in a very special and unique way for you to honor Christ and also to bless others with your spiritual gifts. He's given you talents that no one else can use like you. He's given you resources. And I don't care if you're as poor as a church mouse living in a one-room shack, you have some resource that you can serve and honor the Lord with and bless others. You have something, some knowledge, some resource that can help and bless others that no one else has. It's easy to say, you know what? Uh, I can't sing like Miss Emmanuel, and, and I believe, listen, when Miss Emmanuel sings, I believe the angels stop and just, 
just... But you know what? You can say that, but and say, if I could sing like that with that much spirit and heart, then I would do that. But beloved, don't despise what God's blessed you with. Maybe you don't sing like Miss Emmanuel or someone else or play like someone else in our church, but God's gifted you with something to use to honor Him and to bless His people and do to the least of these. And the only person God is asking you to be is the person that He's created and gifted you to be. And you know what? That goes for our church as well. We look at other churches and sometimes we go, you know, go to conferences or we have people come in and like, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. But, and you know what? As much as I love Berea Baptist and their pastor, Kevin Slim, we're not Berea Baptist. And God's gifted us uniquely with certain spiritual gifts, with certain resources, with certain talents. And he's not asking me to be another pastor. He's asking me to be the pastor he's put here. He's not asking Westside to be Church on the Rock or First Baptist, Berea Baptist, Liberty Avenue. He's asking us to be Westside Baptist and no one else. And so what do we do with this? We do what we can. That's what Mary had. That's what she had on hand to honor the Lord in her house. Do what you can. You do not have to do everything, nor are you meant to. Let that free you today. But you can do certain things that no one else can do. And because of that, do it. Do it with all of your heart. And also do it while you can. Do it while there's time. Mary did what she could while she could do it. And God will use it, and it will be remembered, my brothers and sisters. Do what you can, while you can do it. You don't have to be anybody else, only the person that God has called and gifted you to be. And you can't do everything, and He doesn't expect you to, nor does He want you to. But just do what you can with what you've been given while you can. All the excuses we use to say we can't do something. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. It's also called Decoration Day uh, by some. In, in its purpose, it, it's not a, a Christian holiday. But we can make it one as we honor Christ and the lives of others that He has blessed our lives with, those gone before in death, served in our nation's military. But however, while there's time, don't forget to honor. Don't forget to decorate those before us now. Mary honored Christ with what she had while she could. Lay your flowers on the headstones, and Sherry and I will be doing that tomorrow as well, and beautifying them, showing respect and honor. 
Remember those gone before and thanking God for their lives and their love and their service to others. But I want to say this. Don't forget to look around. And be aware of the people that God has placed in your path now. You've been gifted to love them. You have talents to serve them. You have resources to honor them in some way to bless them and to beautify their life. Decorate them with your words, if you will, with your deeds while there's time. Do not wait until the time has passed. Quit. We've got to quit using excuses. You know, I would do that if I was gifted like so-and-so. Or You're wasting time. And you're speaking negatively of how God has gifted you. How God has given you talents and resources. And Jesus, if you will, is right in front of you. And you're ignoring Him. By not doing what you can do, with what you've been given while there's time. There are people around you that need you. This church needs you. Love, serve, honor, bless, beautify their life. Do not wait until the time has passed. And beloved, if there's something that needs to be said or done... Don't wait until there's a tombstone in front of you. Decorate a soul. Decorate a life. Decorate the day with grace and mercy. And in doing so, you're honoring Christ. Because you're doing it to the least of these. Romans 12.10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. And I love this, outdo one another in showing honor. Like he makes it a competition. Try to outdo each other by honoring others. And in doing so, you're doing that to Christ. Every time we give a reason or an excuse why we don't do something to serve the Lord, we're dishonoring Christ. We're missing the time to anoint our Lord. There's an old song uh, by Reverend James Cleveland. It's been many years ago, and Reverend Cleveland has gone home to be with the Lord. But there was an old song he sang many years ago called, Give Me My Flowers. Some of you might remember the old song, Give Me My Flowers. He said in the song, Give me my flowers while I live, so that I, I, I can see the beauty that they bring. Friends and loved ones may give me flowers when I'm sick or on my sickbed, but I'd rather have just one tulip right now than a truckload of roses when I'm dead. Speak kind words to me while I can hear them, so that I, I, I can hear the beauty that they bring. Give me my flowers while I live. Beloved, there's someone, there's some 
people that need something that only you can give them. Only you. Love, affection, forgiveness, time, attention, encouragement, mercy, compassion. Do what you can do while there's time. And in the process, you're honoring Jesus Christ, the one that decorated our lives with a beautiful salvation. Beloved, go decorate the day. Decorate the day. Give someone their tulip today while there's time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful story. Heavenly Father, help us to live for you as Mary expressed that evening in Simon the leper's house. And help us to honor you, Lord, by doing it to the least of these, those around us. Help us, Lord, to remember and be thankful for those that have gone before, but also help us to notice those that are in our midst now. Draw us unto you, Heavenly Father, that we might live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.